listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Well, good morning, gang. Welcome to the third part of our series that we're calling Armor Up. It's all about the armor of God, something that we need in our lives. This is part three. If you're taking notes, pull anything out to take notes on. I think today is going to be great. If you're watching online, make sure to share this feed. Uh, This series is on the armor of God, and today we're going to be talking about a subject that I think everybody's going to be excited about, but chiefly my ladies. And I'm going to tell you why. We're going to be talking about how our feet are shod with the gospel of peace. And I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there in the air. Ladies, you go shoe shopping right after this church service. Get whatever you want. Get it! You you tell them I sent you. I see men covering their wives' ears in Jesus' name. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, that classic chapter in the New Testament. Paul says, finally... And he really gets into the weeds on the armor of God. This is what it says in verse 13. He says, finally, take up the whole armor of God, all of it, with the belt of truth buckled about your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted, your feet shod, it says in King James, with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. It says, take up the whole armor. Look at your neighbor. Go ahead and look at him. Say, armor up. Look at your second choice and say, armor up. It's... It's so important to do. Now, I do want to say this. The first week, we talked about the the belt of truth and how you can tighten. You have a little grip, a handle on your thought life. If you missed that, I still am hearing about the first message and the help that it brought people with the way they think and just being tormented in their minds. Last week, we talked about the breastplate of righteousness and how God's righteousness really guards us all together in a holistic way. And today we're going to be talking about our feet being shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, let me say again, this is not child's play. Just because you learned this on some flannel gram and some musky church basement does not mean that it's not for everyone. In fact, in Bible times, the the men of old, the elders, they would read these things about the armor of God and they would ponder it. They would search it. God, what does this mean for me? What is the depth of what this is? So this is for all of us. Now, some of us in the room, I know, are really into shoes, and you get a kick out of it. And uh, I'd be embarrassed to say how many I have, but, you know, I have different uses for it. So about a week and a half ago, I was hunting, and I was hunting quail, and I had had to wear muck boots. Anybody know what muck boots are in the house? Give me a little whoop whoop. Yeah, and so it's not just boots for muck. It's a thing, and it's important. And and so I was wearing my muck boots, and I went quail hunting. I, I... it was, it was good good hunt. Okay, and so, so, but also, you know, I know that there's people, and I don't even understand this, but they run for fun. That's punishment for me, or somebody's going to get you, you know, but they, 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 they run for fun, and so what do they do? They go out and they get special shoes. To, you, there's a runner in the house. The other runners are like, I'm with you, but I'm not going to say anything, you know, and so... I understand. I understand because it's not fun at all. It's a lot of work. And so, but, but there's different things for different you know, purposes, different footwear. And so I just want to get us all on the same page, just thinking in this way. Go ahead and throw up that first slide, guys. What are these shoes for? Oh. Yes, yeah, for golf. Go ahead. Next one. What, what are these shoes for? 
it says it on the bottom of the shoe, okay? How about this, this butt kicking? Oh, sorry. I think that if you live from Nuevo North, you at least have one of these in your closet. I'm just saying, country boy, it's a cowboy boot. You wear this when the rodeo comes into town. Next one. You wear these if you don't want to date. You, <laughs> the men at New Chapel wear socks with it. Actually, the men of New Chapel, they have a Glock with their Crocs. I'm just, that's what that strap's for. You didn't know that? That strap. Jesus, come back in the room. I love you, Lord. I'm sorry for the thing I made it. But, but listen, there's, di- there, stop it. There's different footwear for different purposes. Am I right? Different, different things that we're going to do. And, and in the same way, the gospel of peace sets us up for certain things. Certain footwork can set you up for certain things. The gospel of peace does that. Now, Paul was looking at that Praetorian soldier. He's likely chained to him, and he's using his armor to be an example for the armor of God, these uh, symbolic, metaphoric things, but it's real things that we have to put on. And when he's talking about this footwear, he's, he's, he's looking at it, and he says, exactly. What was the footwear? Now, in the Roman soldier, they would strap the footwear on. In fact, in some cases, it would go all the way up their leg. It was meant almost like a compression sock or a compression band to put a little little, uh, pressure on their muscles to stabilize a little bit. It also was something that probably had something like football cleats. The difference is when they would hammer the nails through the other side, they would be in between one and three inches in length. And the idea was that they were battle-ready. This was not just, like, fashionable. This was strategic, what they were doing. And I've heard uh, from a little bit of history, and I'm a history buff, that when they would march, they would do short steps, mainly because of the size of the cleats, and also it's, it's faster than walking, and you can reserve a little bit more energy than if you're running as fast as you can. But it was said on those Roman roads, you could hear them for miles with those cleats, pop, 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 pop. And they would stop at nothing. They would stop at nothing. So the, the Roman legions were, were known throughout the world. They aren't going to pause for you. So even if they were doing a parade and, and somebody fell in the way, buddy, your friend's going to have to get you out. They don't stop. In fact, this is kind of a gruesome fact, but they would do the same thing on the battlefield. So if, if some guy was over, I mean, they would just go right over you with those spikes. And so they were known that we are battle ready. We've got a secure footing. We are not going to be moved by what we see. We're going to keep on moving forward. And I like that because it makes me think about how Jesus said that you're the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against you. That God has a calling on you, church, to not be people that are beat up and mess. Oh, the devil's got me. He's, he's, stop. Knock it off. In fact, we said armor up. You got to put the armor on and stop letting the devil knock you around. Knock back in Jesus' name. Can I hear an amen? Hell cannot withstand a church that's in unity against him. We have the protection of the gospel of peace. I'm glad that it is the gospel of peace, and I, I want to I take that apart in, into the two main pieces. The first piece is this, gospel of peace. Peace is really something important. Write this down. Throw up that slide, guys. Peace should define the believer. That's, when people think of Christians, they should think, oh, man, those guys are always so easygoing. They're peaceful. They have a resolve about them. It's not that they don't get excited about things every once in a while, but they're resolved. You know, 
Peace needs to be our defining characteristic. It needs to be our default. We need to bring it with us, not anger. You ever grow up in a church and it was just a little judgy and there's just a chip on their shoulders? Like, what are they so upset about? Why are they so angry? I mean, does everybody seem angry to you? They seem angry to me. Or worrisome. There's just a, oh, oh the boat's going to sink before Jesus comes back. Bless God. I mean, the peace needs to be with us. Amen. Amen. How about the negativity and the judgment? We need to not bring that into the room. Let's bring the peace into the room. The complaining, the dividing. Well, you know, if there's one thing that the last two years has taught me is that I'm not at war with those Methodists, with the Baptists. I'm not at war with them. We're at war with the enemy and the lake for that matter. But, but we're at war with the enemy and we've got to take ground. We need to bring the peace. And then it's the gospel of peace. Gospel, which means good news. Write that down. Good news. Good news. Let me tell you the origin uh, to the word gospel. It is uh, maybe the most redneck thing in Israel. Um, Here's where it's from. Uh, They would have men that would make soap, families, and they'd make this soap. And they would come into town, and they would have a pop shop up. This is Etsy first century, okay? (laughs) And they would sell their soap. And the way that they would get anybody to know what they were doing is they'd be yelling it out. Hey, we got soap for sale. And here's the deal. In ancient times, in antiquity, it was really difficult actually to get soap. You had, to, you had to drink that milk. You can't waste it on soap. So when the dude came in that had extra milk to make soap out of and the different ingredients and the lye and the ashes and everything to make it, it was good news because they really dealt with hygiene issues. And, and for many cases, it was a matter of life and death. And so what would happen? They would run to this pop shop, and it was good news for all those stinky people in Israel. That's literally the origin. To this day, You can go to the Middle East and any of their markets, and you'll see men yelling out, fish for sale, we've got figs, dates, and they'll be yelling it all out. But the origin comes from soap salesmen that had good news, you don't have to stink anymore in Jesus' name. (laughs) I like how the Bible says this in Romans chapter 5, therefore, since we have been justified, justified, remember that we're justified, justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is country, but this is the way I remember it. Justified just as if I'd never had sinned. That's what God gifts you. When you accept Christ, you're justified in him, not on your actions. Thank God. But you're justified in him. And it is so important because the enemy wants you to source from your past, from the time you messed up, went too far, got the divorce, got the bankruptcy, lost the kids. And he wants you to source from that so you will be paralyzed. He wants you to be paralyzed so you never are able to seize the present and do anything. And therefore, he blocks the great things that God has for you in your future. Friend, you can't do that. You have to remember, I'm justified in God. No matter what I've done. Do you know if you're a born-again Christian and you mess up and you approach God and you're like, look, God, I, I messed up. I stink. I messed up big this time. He's like, first time I heard about it. God in his power does not forget anything, but he throws our sins into the sin of forgetfulness. And by that, I mean this. He says of himself, I will remember your sin no more. God doesn't want to deal with you on the basis, on the currency of your sin. Now, do we need to make things right with God when we mess up? Absolutely. Listen to my last message, 1 John 1, 9. You need to go and confess your sin to him. But he's not waiting for you like, ah, did it again, didn't you? You joker, 
No. <laughs> no, he's looking at his kid. He loves you. And God isn't up there with a fly swatter. God loves you. And he wants you to be forgiven in his name. That should give you boldness. And friend, you need boldness. You need some confidence in your walk with God. Stop walking hat in hand when you come into this church. Oh, gosh, I hope nobody's, you know, I haven't been here for, get a life. We're just happy you made it. We're kind of happy we made it. And so, and so you fit in with the rest of us. And, you know, let me just say a little aside for a second about parenting. If God doesn't deal with us about our past, you have no business in dealing with your kids based on their past. And I don't care if your kids are six and under like mine. I have four of them. <laughs> You've never had kids, young lady. You don't know. But you do work in daycare. And so I say I have four kids. She goes, oof. Praise God. But, but listen, maybe your kids are grown. You can't deal with them on who they were before and what they did before and how they messed up. Man, you did it again. Why do you? And, and here's how you know, parent. Here's how you know. Your teeth start to get, well, you did it again. And you get upset. You can't do that. Don't go there because God doesn't deal with you that way. I'm not saying we don't correct behavior. Listen, we're wearing that paddle out at our house, and God, it's made of oak. But, but at the same time, I'm not going to run my kids through the mud. I'm not going to beat them, but I'm going to discipline in a godly way. Don't, don't run your kids through the mud because I'm going to tell you, emotional abuse can be just as stark and offensive as physical abuse. It can mess people up. Some of y'all know exactly what I mean in the room. And so God has something better for us. Romans 5, again, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, what does it say? We have peace with God, peace with God through Jesus. Three types of peace I want to talk to you, and the first one is this, write it down. We have peace with God, with him. Your relationship with God, if you're born again, if you're a believer, you have peace in that relationship. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people think that God is still out to get them or that there's some judgment or wrath or some can of hate that he's going to pour out on you. And i got to tell you, it's not the truth. I've used this example many times. I'm going to use it many times again. People say that Katrina was the judgment of God or this hurricane or the fires out west. Lord Almighty, if, if God wanted to, to judge California, he missed L.A. by a long shot. Why burn down the forests, Right? If, if you're saying that God has judgment for believers today, what you are in essence saying is the judgment and wrath that Jesus absorbed on the cross was not enough, and God's got a little can for you at the end of it all. What makes your punishment or judgment so strong? The truth is this. Your judgment is not coming from God Almighty. We need to realize that. You have peace with God. When Jesus was up on that cross, do you know? The Bible says that he became sin for us. Jesus never sinned. He didn't become a sinner by nature, but he had all of our sin, past, present, and future, put on him. He became that sin for us on the cross. And for a moment, God turned his back on Jesus for the first moment in all of eternity. And the only, Jesus felt the withdrawal of the presence of his father. Wow. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus died because of the lack of presence of God in his life. It ruined him. Typically, people were on a cross for days. He died very quickly. Now, before he died, he said, it is finished. Can I put it in 2022 terms? Ceasefire. I took it. It's on me. 
I absorb the blow and all. It's done. The war is over. There is peace in Jesus' name. Can I hear an amen? amen. I heard a story, uh, a, a World War II story. Again, I love history. But uh, in the Japanese Imperial Army, there was a soldier. His name was Hiro Anoda. And Hiro Anoda was uh, sent to the Philippines. It was going to be a strategic base during World War II for Japan. And they sent him to a certain island, and uh, this, this guy was tasked with guerrilla warfare. Here's your ground. Don't let them get past this spot. And he was very dutiful, and he went right to work. Well, here's what happened. You know, in a couple of months, World War II was, was lost for Japan. America won. They, they signed their treaties. And the war was over. But they forgot about little old Hiro. <laughs> little Hiro was still over in the Philippines, and they forgot about him. When they finally remembered him, they, they sent out a search party to go get him, and he killed them because he didn't know that they were, they were part of his group. And others of them would go to try to rescue him, and they would run because my man was doing guerrilla warfare like he was told, and he didn't recognize anything, what you were saying, and he came after you. 29 years goes by. Hiro Anoda is eating coconuts and bananas in the Philippines, no joke, thinking World War II is still on. The person who finally got through to him was his previous commanding officer, who was an old man at the time, and he started to attack him first before he recognized him. But he finally relinquished control and, and realized that I don't have to be hid over here on this island anymore. I can come out. We don't have to do guerrilla warfare. The war is over. And we laugh at that. 29 years. The year was 1972 when they finally got him off. World War II was in, in like, 40s, everybody. And so this is a picture of many people. They think that they're still at war with God, that God's upset with them, angry with them, and, and so they're hiding. Pastor Joe, I'm not hiding. Sure you are. You're hiding in your work. You have, you're hiding that nose in your phone. You're hiding from your family. You're hiding in so many different ways, just like people have. It's human nature. You can't run from this. You have to lean into what God has for you. Don't hide from God. God loves you. He wants to heal you. He wants to restore you. He wants to find the broken pieces, the fragments of your life, and see you reunited again. God wants to do good by you. Can I hear an amen, New Chapel? Yeah. We have peace with God. You need to accept it. So one thing I see with these shoes is that it did create stability. Write this down. Our peace with God gives us stability in our walk with him. You don't have to worry one day whether God's upset or angry or whether he's emotional or whether something didn't pan out on the other side of the world and he's going to take it out on you. No, no, no. You have peace with God. That gives you stability in the here and now. And in the same way those Roman soldiers were stable, we don't want you slipping all over the place. We don't want you to lose your footing. Not, we want you to be people who are not pushed over easily, that are strong because you have trust in God. Now, here's what I know. It's important to have stability in our relationship with God, because how many of y'all know life is not stable all the time? Stuff happens. We face sometimes awful things. In the book of Philippians, if you want to turn there, Philippians 4, first part of it, it says that we're to cast our care on the Lord, but I like what it says in verse 7, Philippians 4, 7. The Bible says this, that the peace of God, peace of God, 
So we just read about peace with God. This is peace of God, which transcends all understanding, <clears throat> which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God, which passes understanding. Listen to me, Christian. If the peace of God, and that's what you need. You don't need peace like the world gives. You need the peace of God. If that surpasses understanding, why are you still trying to understand everything until you can relax? Why do you still try to figure everything out before you feel like you can take a next step in your life? God has more for you than all of that. I hear people say it all the time. I'll have peace when it works out in my favor. I'll have peace when I get the money. And I got a big bill, Pastor Joe. I'm going to have peace. I'll write that check, you know, but I, I got this bill. And so I'm going to have peace. I'll have peace, but I got to get a little bit more money in my pocket. I've got to have that on lock. I, listen, I'm going to have peace when I finally get the promotion, when I finally get the job. I'm going to get peace when I figure this issue out. You know, my kids are in a phase. I'm trying to figure them out. You know how it is, Pastor Joe. I'm going to have peace when I figure women out, Pastor Joe. I just... Buddy, you'll be waiting. Hey, women, you figured men out yet? See, I'm an equal opportunity person. Number two, write this down. Guys, we have the peace of God. You have peace with God, but you can have the peace of God in your life. Totally different. Beyond understanding everything, beyond having it figured out, beyond all the circumstances being solved and in your lap, you can understand. How? You know the one who holds tomorrow in his hands, and you trust him. Colossians 3. Let the peace of Christ, of Christ, rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace, and be thankful I hear people every once in a while, Pastor, I'm called in the ministry, or I'm called to go make a difference in the medical field or in the business world. Listen to me. You have a call on your life, Christian, for peace. That's a calling. Oh, listen, I, I, I think God's trying to teach me something. I got a chip, and I'm, I'm going through it. No, listen, you're now rating new books of the Bible that aren't really going to make it. The Bible says you have a calling for peace. Jesus did not die on Calvary's cross and rise from the dead, so you had to live the rest of your life miserable without peace here on earth. You can have peace no matter what's going on. Peace that passes what you can even understand. It shouldn't be peaceful, but I'm peaceful. Uh, remember the story. It's in the Gospels of Jesus. and Doesn't it always seem like they're crossing Galilee? Like somebody build a bridge. Like we're always crossing. And so they're crossing Galilee, and I had a Greek guy, a scholar, he explained this, and he said th there was a storm coming, and this storm wasn't just like a thunderstorm, T-storm walks. It would have been like hurricane-level storm. And the boat's rocking, and, and the disciples are on the boat. Jesus is in the boat. He's below decks, and, and so they're kind of flipping out. Now, let me just say this about the disciples. The disciples, they would have loved New Chapel because they're man's man, Right? I'm convinced Peter had a handlebar mustache, okay? <laughs> tough. And they're, they're tough and grit. They're fishermen. They're not some soft-handed preacher. They got calloused. Ah, you know what I'm talking about? And they go down. They're like, Jesus, don't you care that we're all going to perish? That's what the disciples do. They start freaking out on Jesus, waking up. Don't you care? Now, I want you to think about this. Tough guys. Bad circumstance. Not that the circumstance isn't real. But Jesus is sleeping. 
I just wonder how often we get upset about something and, and Jesus is taking a nap. And I got to tell you, when you're freaking out but Jesus is taking a nap, you have no business being stressed if he's not stressed. If he's sleeping, you got to chill out. And I'm not saying that he's up there sleeping. I'm not making a theological statement. But, but what I am saying is that we can rest in him. Well, what does Jesus do? Jesus gets up from his nap. If he's like me, he went over to that Keurig immediately that's not in the scriptures. I'm guessing, but he gets out to that boat, and the storm is raging. It is a real threat, but he's not flipping out. And the Bible says that Jesus says, peace, be still. And the storm goes down, and the boat starts going. But did you know he didn't say that? In Greek, there is no word for what he actually said. Do you know what he actually said? A Greek person could tell you. They told me, I'll tell you. He goes out there, boat's going, it's raging. Jesus goes, shh. And I'm convinced that by the time he stopped, everything was just fine. And if I was him, I would have looked at Peter like, how about that? <laughs> we get upset, don't we? Your panties in a knot. What are we going to do? They're not going to be in their traveling baseball league. Right. We're not going to be able to make this happen. How are we going to? The sun's coming up tomorrow. Come on. Get an Annie anointing on your life. Like, it's going to be all right. <laughs> Never know where we're going to land here at New Chapel. And if, if Jesus is in your boat, or should I say if you're in his, you have nothing to worry about. If he's not in your boat, if he's not part of your life, yeah, you should freak out. We'll deal with that in a second. The Roman soldiers, yes, they had stability with their shoes, but it also gave them ability. It was tactical. They had a tactical advantage. And in the same way, when you have the peace of God, not just peace with him, but peace of God in your life, I'm telling you, it is tactical. It is strategic because when the world throws awful things at you, you can have that peace that passes all understanding. Write it down. The peace of God gives us the ability to face the worst with his resolve. Yeah. So you need stability in your relationship with him once you have it. You have the ability to face the worst that could come at you because greater is he that lives in me than he that lives in the world. Say amen, somebody. And the last thing that we need is Christians falling all the time. I got so sick of watching the news and hearing about another pastor that's falling. It's such, God is cleaning house right now in every area of seven mountains of influence. But let me say this. Revival starts at the house of God first. So we're going to have a good clean house of God and then we're going to take the hill. And we need it. Hallelujah. We need Christians that have a secure footing, a good grounding you're not moved by everything. You know what I found about Christians that have been around the block? Sometimes I see this in older Christians. If they matured while they grew older. There's a lot of people that are in their 80s, but they're little kids. I was related to one. <laughs> Let me just say this. If you get closer to God, not a lot's going to move you. You can be young and have this, but you get to a maturity in Christ where you get bad news. You're like, yeah, I had bad news before. <laughs> take the hits. I guess it's going to come. Watch God. You're rolling the dice. Devil, it's all going to work in my favor. They're not moved by a lot. 
because they know that they put Jesus as Lord over their life, so God is in control over their life, so they have authority in awful situations, and they can blaze through it. They're not shaken by things, a strong footing. I've been with people when they had the worst news of their life. A kid died. They lost everything. They called me up because they made a bad investment and lost their shirt. And, and, and they feel like there's no tomorrow for them in all of it. And I've also been with those that are Christians. And they've gotten the worst news of their life. And they take a hard swallow, a deep sigh, and tomorrow the sun will rise again. And my God is faithful and he has not betrayed me. Though the worst thing I ever could imagine happened to me. God, I'm still breathing so you must have a purpose for me. I will press on. You can have that beyond any doctor's report that would ever fall in your lap, beyond any bill that would ever face you, anything that your kids do. Some of you right now are so bothered by the political situation in our country. And look, it's ringling, brothers, except not funny, right? I get that. But listen to me. Don't you know the truth always comes out? Don't you know God always sheds light into dark places? Hallelujah. Have the peace of God. That doesn't mean that we don't do anything. We do things. We get engaged. In fact, I'm convinced we need people at New Chapel to be involved in the school board at Kennewa Hills and Comstock Park in Sparta. I say we take the hill in Jesus' name. Those people can't lead their way out of a wet paper bag. Send them the video. I digress. <laughs> the peace that you're going to have in life is not not going to come from every circumstance lining up. And it's not even going to come from externals. Don't think that you going on a vacation is going to make you peaceful. If you already have peace, it could reveal a lot of it, amplify a little bit, let you rest a little bit, but rest is not peace. Don't think that it's going to come from moving to that nice house up on that hill with that picket fence. And if I could just get out of this apartment, just get out of this trailer, get that house, I'd be so happy. Listen to me. Your problems just go in those moving boxes. That's, your, peace doesn't come from all of that. That's not how it works. Well, I just need a spa day. I need to get away. I need to get my nails did. <laughs> Entertainment. It's not going to come from a person. It's not going to come from a prescription. Right. You can't prescribe peace. Yeah. Wait, wait, and listen, listen. There's people, you got to take a pill. Or listen, you know it's not peace. Might give you a chill pill, but it's not peace. You can't puff your way into peace. That is a crude, crude, like, like offhand brand of what God has. And how many of y'all know? Don't raise your hands. Not in my church. It ain't going to last. For a moment, you have an escape, not relief. An escape. Not my message. You can't consume enough to make yourself happy. Me and donuts know that. Krispy Kreme The way, why is that that funny to you? <laughs> the way that you're going to have any peace in your life, it's going to come from God in you. I got peace with him. I got peace in me. And that gives me the ability through my relationship with him to face anything. I got to move on. The Roman soldier's shoes were also for advancing. They were ready at any moment's notice to advance. They would get marching orders, and it was go. It wasn't, well, let me, let me just lace these up. It was go. They were ready at any, any moment. They were ready to fight. They weren't putting on slippers. 
They were ready to march wherever they had to go, and they had an assignment. Remember that, gospel of peace. When I talk to Christians, they know God. And I talk to Christians, and they even know that the greater one is in them, yet they're still facing things without active peace being shown in their life. And they come and say, I don't know why. And sometimes if, if, I, if I spend enough time with them, I'll land on it. And here's what it typically is. You have no purpose. Or you have it, but you're not in it. And so these shoes were for advancing. They were strategic. They did something. They had to do with the way that these men made their living, their soldiers. And so understand that peace and purpose are integrally linked. Write this down. I'm going to spend the rest of our time explaining it. Number three, we have peace in the purpose of God. If you're lacking peace, I would question, are you in God's purpose for your life? Now, you've heard me preach before. Maybe you haven't. I'll say it again. I have a license to do that. But blessed are the peacemakers, right? Peace has to be made. And I use that typically to preach about your relationship with other people, that you got to make it. It's not just going to happen. Time's not a healer. You have an issue with somebody else. Peace must be made. Blessed are the peacemakers. But here's what I've realized. That is not just in my relationships here. That God has a call on my life and your life to be a peacemaker, to go into other relationships and help them with peace here. It's both. It's not one or the other, either or. It's yes and it's both. Peace in relationship and then you're trying to get peace with other people. The unbelieving family members. It's the people that you work with. My God, you know they need Jesus. You know, like it's working with them to have that peace of God in their life. And so, so listen. This is a huge deal because the, we bring peace, not just bring it into the room like we are peaceful, not just bring it into the room like we have, it's we bring the peace in the room because we have a call to make a difference in their life so they can experience the peace that we have experienced. Now, when you're not in the purpose of God, there is a peace missing, and it is the peace of God. There's something outside of order. What are your marching orders? Go into all the world and ransack TJ Maxx. Get those shoes, Jesus. Go into all the world and spend every waking moment at that lake catching fish, you know? I mean, and listen, maybe fishing is part of it. I would say Jesus has called you to be a fisher, but it's to go into all the world and make disciples make. We do need converts, but we need to make disciples. We, we, we're not just here so that this is gratifying for you. And I pray that it is. In fact, I know that the peace of God is, is, is satisfying like nothing else in this world. But it's not just for you. It's meant to go through you and impact someone else's life. Go into all the world and make disciples. Jesus said, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Question, if you are not fishing for people, if you're not around unbelievers, if you're not bringing them into the house, bringing them into a relationship with Jesus, I have to question you. I love you. Are you a follower of Jesus? Because followers fish. Followers fish. It's, you don't have to be skilled. Get that pole out, cast out there. Followers fish. Doesn't mean you're not a Christian. There's a difference, though, isn't there, in between being saved and following Jesus? Just like there's a difference in between having unrest and having peace. You need to be in your purpose. You need to be serving God. It's for you. 
Now, some people think that you have to be like I was when I first uh, rededicated. I remember it was June 4th, 2004, Saturday night church service, walked in, rededicated my life to Christ, and I was like Kanye. Okay, Jesus is king, and I'm going to tell everybody about it now. Chick-fil-A? Like, I was on it. I was, I was on it. I literally, and Kai is laughing because she remembers my Jesus is my homeboy t-shirt that I got from Family Christian Bookstore. I went and bought the obligatory race, uh, wristband. What did it say on it? W, W, mm, let's go reach the world. That's all I need. Get me my family Bible. It wasn't a normal Bible. Bless God, I'm carrying around this massive thing to, to school. <sighs> I was serious. I've got this big Bible. I'm going to tell you. So I was the drum major at my school. I was a drum major. If you don't know what that is, you're a loser. But I was a drum major. <laughs> I was the drum major at my school, and, and we were doing our big show, you know, with the drill. And I'm walking. To every single person, I'm like, hey, have you heard the good news? <laughs> you want to come to church with me tonight? I invited, I promise you before God, I invited everybody, everybody that I saw, everybody. And everybody in the bat signal that we were trying to make in that drill, I invited all of them. I, inv I was a student body president. Don't think I'm that big of a deal. It was a small pond, big fish. And so, um, but I, I, I would talk to them. And, 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 and I worked everything. I wanted to reach everybody. And there's some parts of that I look back and I'm like, sick them, Joe. That's awesome. Some parts I'm like, you're a dork, okay? Like, <laughs> chill out, you know? And, and so, you don't have to do that. You can be yourself. But you got to learn how to be yourself and talk about Jesus. And, and that's, something that, that's something that you got to do. You got to take that step. It, it's a big deal. Acts chapter 1 in verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses, the Bible says, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Witnesses. Here's the idea. God gives you his Holy Spirit. You're, you're empowered. You're a spirit-empowered Christian. And the idea is that God gives you that power. Can I put it this way? In the context of this message, that peace so that you can go be a witness. In a court setting, you're not the judge, and we have far too many Christians trying to be the judge. And then we have far too many that are the prosecuting attorney, that they'll, they'll bring up everything you did. Well, why are you, has somebody in your life already done it? I'm sure. Why are you going by that church? Don't you know how you are? You crazy. That place is gonna burn down if you set foot in it. Why does that section laugh so much when I say that? I don't know. Because it's the truth. <laughs> what are you called to be? You don't need to be a lawyer. You don't need to, you don't need to defend Jesus. I'm going to defend him. That's not what God's called you to do. Be a witness. What does a witness do? This is what I saw. I saw this. This is what happened to me. This is my experience. And here's what you're afraid of. You're afraid that they're going to ask you some crazy, deep, theological question that you don't know the answer to. And you're going to get into a fight right? That's the big fear. Oh, Lord. You know, they've been watching too much Vox News, okay? Vox. And so, like, I don't know. I'm going to, what are we going to do? And so, they're going to ask questions like, do you believe in creation or evolution? Oh, gosh. I'm, I'm here, you know, and you're not going to know what to say about it. You're, you know, they'll ask you a deep theological question like, can God create a rock so big that even he can't carry it? 
I don't know. <laughs> How about this one? If a man is alone in a forest, all alone, without his mother-in-law, is he still wrong? That's deep. That's deep. I'm on a roll today. I'll be exiting out the back after this message, Pastor Brian. Friend, you don't have to answer for the whole Bible. God is not looking for you to defend him. He'll defend himself. Somebody asks you some weird question. Here's what your script is. You ready? I don't know what you're talking about, but... This is what Jesus did for me. We got saved. Or we rededicated. Or we started going to church again. And I'm telling you, Jesus is doing his thing, and I'm not who I was. I'm not where I want to be. Thank God I'm not where I was. I'm, I'm on a journey. Were you perfect? I'm not perfect. I'm forgiven. I'm, I'm in. I'm engaged in the process. You don't have to answer for all of Christianity. You just be a witness. You know why? You cannot argue with a changed life. They want to get into an argument that is not your calling. And a lot of Christians think it is. But you can be a witness. Be a witness in your neighborhood. Be a witness uh, in, in your workplace. Don't do it on company time. Do it when you're on a break, for sure. But, like, you have friendships in that realm. Like, listen, soccer moms, weather's going to be breaking soon. Why don't you be a witness by not going psycho on the coach from the stands, <laughs> A, and then, B, talk to that mom next to you about Jesus? <laughs> And how I used to do that. I was once blind, but now I see him. <laughs> Just wish the ref would do that. But you can't argue with a changed life. Wow. Now, Roman shoes. Again, Ephesians 6.13. God says that our feet need to be fitted with the readiness, readiness of the gospel of peace. Big deal there. These shoes were for mobility. Write this down. The peace found in the purpose of God, gives us mobility to share the gospel. You need stability in your relationship with God, not being all wishy-washy, not, not questioning where you're at with them. You also need to have the ability to have peace in hard situations. But again, the peace is not just for you. You need to have mobility. You need to get up, as the old hem sang, get up off your blessed assurance Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Get up off that thing and go reach somebody for Jesus. Talk to them. You don't have to be a nut. In fact, don't be a nut. We're not going to build the church by you being a granola Christian. Fruits, flakes, and nuts. But in the context of who you are, talking to people, what's the opposite? It's what New Chapel and a lot of other churches were two years ago in a standstill stagnant. When all that drama hit two years ago, you could bow or you could serve God. And there was a fire lit in this church. Some of the men and women in this church, you felt it. And it means something. And friends, you decided that we're not going to be stagnant. We need to be a church that is on the move, that we are going to take ground, that it can't just be all about us. Hey, two-thirds of this stuff is for you, but, but, but there is this peace, this, this peace, and it's massive, that we don't just look for our peace, that some of the peace we need is found in purpose of giving peace to other people, and that's where there is relief. Wow. Over the years, I've led people to the Lord. Not as much in the last couple of years, just to be honest. Just the nature of my job. I live in a bubble. I need an assistant so I can go get out more often. But Kai will tell you, oh, my gosh, we can't go to a restaurant. I think about going to the Center of the Universe in Tulsa, any different place. We'd be talking to people about Jesus. 
Some of them accepted Christ. That's pretty cool. And what I've realized with all of that, it is fishing for men, but it is fishing with that pole. And I should do that, and you should do that. But you know, the disciples didn't just look at it that way. In fact, many of them were fishermen, and the way that they would go and fish is with a net. They'd cast a net. And they wouldn't just, they cast a net, us, we're going to cast a net, we're going to throw it out there, because I'm going to have multiplied times more than I can one at a time versus casting that net and bringing them all in. Do you know this? The go team that serves here, I'm talking about the worship team, tech, the ushers, greeters, guest services, kids ministry, all the people serving in security you don't even know that I like, and all of these people that team Jesus here, the go team is what we call them, in a matter of a week or two, maybe three weeks at the most, we reach more as a team than I ever have personally in my Christian walk with God. Because evangelism is a team sport. It's something that builds momentum in your walk with God when you're on a winning team. That peace that you're talking about, it, it, believe me, it happens here. There's, there's something powerful about when somebody gets saved and you're talking to them. But there's something powerful about when you see a church begin to swell because the people you brought and the people they brought, and, and, and they're getting them into the house. You, you can pray with them where they're at, but listen... God is doing a powerful work, and when we get on that go team and take ground, that's the difference in between attending church and being the church. Friend, that's you. That's what I want you to see. It says it so clearly in Romans 12. We have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. Function, remember that word. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Here's what Paul is saying. We are the body of Christ. Christ is our head. We are the body. But some of you are different parts. Some of you are the hands. Some of you are the heart. Some of you uh, are, are the backbone. That's me. And, and some of you, you have different functions in the body of Christ. You have different callings. There's gifts that are different and, and different graces that are given with it, right? He's saying that that is who you are, and he says that you are called to function. Did you know that the word volunteer is found nowhere in the Old or New Testaments in your Bible? We don't call them volunteers here at New Chapel. We call them servant leaders on the go team. They're not volunteers. I don't need your volunteer time because I see how people volunteer in the world. I need you to function. I need you to find that area that you're good at. You're merciful. I need you on the prayer team. I'm going to teach you to pray. You're a person that loves kids. I can think of a great place. You're a person that has a lot of compassion. We'll find that spot. Maybe you can give, give meals to people that just had a baby or that are coming out of the hospital. Maybe you're just a man's man. You want to hang out with other man, man. They got hair on their chest. The usher team. You know, I mean, we can. I don't know if I can make your hair grow, but we'll do our best. (laughs) Aren't you glad that your kidney hasn't stopped volunteering in your body? Could you imagine what would happen if your heart would stop volunteering in your body? If it just stopped volunteering, didn't show up one day. It's like, where did they go? How did they on a different body, you know, and, and it's just collapse. You, you, got, you got to have a heart to get through it. We call a clump of cells that are, are rogue, we call that cancer. Guys, this is very, very important. It's very, very symbolic. Listen to me. Our head is very healthy, but sometimes the body of Christ can look very sick. 
I'm convinced people in the world look at the church and they say, Baptist, Lutheran, Methodist, whatever New Chapel is, you've had 2,000 years to get together on one book and you can't figure it out. And we don't have people to do the outreaches we want to have. To, we don't have the people to take the ground that we need to do. And they're looking at us and we look sickly. The body of Christ looks sickly. Why? Because we decided not to volunteer. Question, if your heart decided to volunteer in your body with the same intensity that you volunteer as an essential part of the body of Christ, how would that work? How about your kidneys? Well, that's heavy, Pastor Joe. I'm sorry, I'm just reading the Bible. I love you. We need you. We need a team. Well, Pastor Joe, where would I go to serve and use my gifts and talents? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> Guys, throw up that slide. I need 11 people to join kids ministry today. I need five in guest services. Production, that's in during the week, editing things, editing videos, posting things. That's also, we've had the Frozen Chosen back there, Thomas and Austin, for two years. A lot of my people that were serving in tech when the Ronta came, you left. And these guys have been back there running everything. And I'm not saying that you're going to be put back there for two years without watering the plant. I'm saying everybody's got to have a week off here and there. Ushers, we need six of them. Jeremy, you need ushers? Yes, sir, six. New Chapel Connect with the new way that we're doing I talked about. I need four people. You don't have to know everything about the church. It's a video. You're not teaching the class. You're talking to people, welcoming them to church. I need four people to join the prayer ministry because I have prayer partners first service and I struggle to have them second service. Worship, I need five people, skilled people, instrumentation, singers, and I'd love more, but, but listen to me here. The good news is we have every person that we need. And the next good news is they're going to be holding a card in a second. Pull this out if you would. This is the team-up card. I can see you, by the way. Pull out the team-up card. It was on your chair. <laughs> My gosh, he's making us move again. Okay. This is a team-up card. Everybody lift it up. Say, this is my team-up card. I can have what it says I have. I can do what it says I do. Oh, sorry, different church. This is team-up card. I'm asking you to join the team. I'm asking you. We're getting by without you. We can get by without you. There should be a lot of people that won't end up being in the house. We can be the frozen chosen, us four no more, look at these four walls and just them within. Or we can say that there's a world that's dark and dying and going to hell, and we in Grand Rapids should have something to say about it, and we can simply do our part. You can look down here, worship and tech area, support ministries, student ministries, small groups, personal ministries, weekday serving. You might say, Pastor Joe, I can only jot in and hit church, and then I got to go. I've got, I've got a schedule I got to keep. Great. Come in during the uh, week. We will find work for you to do in Jesus' name. I'm, I'm telling you, we'll find it. But listen, you're a part of the body of Christ. The peace that you're looking for will never be complete without purpose. And I'm not saying that you being an usher is your greater purpose in life. Surely, for some of us are called in the ministry, great. The majority in the room, your purpose is outside of this place. But you'll never fulfill the full purpose unless you're serving the house. That's just true. And so, I love you. I want the best for you. I want this to 
burn in your hand today. How do you get it to me? You can leave it on the seat. You can put it in the drop boxes. But I pray it bursts into flames if you try to take it outside the door. <laughs> now, when we talk about serving, I want you to be able to worship one and be able to serve one back and forth, like what we're doing over at New Chapel Connect. I want you to be able to sit one, serve one. And you can do that 11, 9, back and forth, whatever that looks like. Let me also say this. New Chapel Connect would be something great for you to jump into, but it's not a requirement. You can fill this out before that. And then I want to say this. If you sign up for a spot and you end up going back there and you don't like it, this is not Hotel California where you check out but you can't leave. <laughs> I promise you, we want you to find your sweet spot. I don't want you back there with kids if you hate kids. Like, Please be an usher, you know? And so, so we'll find that spot for you and with you. And then finally, with all of this, go ahead and throw that slide up there, guys. We have a free shirt for every person that joins the team. Now, I've heard that at Nordstrom's, these are $340. <laughs> free. It's free. And so if, if, <laughs> if you join the team today... We'll get you one of those shirts. We'll get you onto one of the teams, one of the ones that you're interested in, and we will take ground in this church. Guys, we have the gospel that affected our stability. I believe that. It's changing how we walk with him, giving us the ability to face the worst, and ultimately empowering us, giving us mobility to take ground with God. And here's what I know. When the church of Jesus Christ and when this church focuses on anything... We nip it in the bud. We eat it up and spit it out. We take ground like never before. And I believe that day is today because our greatest days are ahead of us. Let's make sure our feet are shod with the gospel of peace. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for who you are in our lives. God, I thank you for your presence in this place. I thank you that that card is a stumbling block for many people in this room. Coach, you're called to serve again. Join the team. I pray, God, that it is a decision point. Lord, I know there might be some people in here, and they're just coming by the church, and, and, and I pray that you let them know we're not putting pressure on them. If they don't serve, it's not a big deal. But God, there are many people that know it's time to get off the sidelines, time to jump in, make a real difference. I pray that they would be bold and willing to fill that card out. God, I pray for people that are going through it right now, that are struggling right now, that had that financial hit or health hit or bad news or they're being haunted from the past. God, I pray for them right now that you would indeed, God, give them the peace that passes all understanding. But they wouldn't just feel peace when they come into the house. They would leave and take peace with them. God, I pray for those people that don't know you. They don't know what peace is. Help me to find them. In Jesus' name. Heads bowed, eyes closed. You came into this room and you say, Pastor, I'm not right with God. The only way to have peace with God, friend, is through his only son, Jesus. Jesus died on a cross with your name on it. The Bible said that he, he paid the price for our sin, the worst of us. Scripture says that if we call him Lord, we will be saved. Lord means boss. It means you're done being the God over your own life. You're ready to give lordship over to Jesus and that when you do that, you will have eternal life and avoid a Christless hell for sure. But that 
that eternal life, that peace that you're looking for, it's found today. It doesn't start when you die. It starts today, the moment that you accept him as your Lord. We're going to pray. And friend, if you mean it, this will be your moment. If you recite this like religious poetry, you'll leave just as confused as you came. But I believe God wants to do a great work. Church, let's pray this with those people that are praying it for the first time. Let's do it out loud and proud. Pray this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sin so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. Put your spirit in me. I receive all that you have for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give it up for those people that accepted Christ. Proud of you. Come on, louder than that, church. The reason why we go bananas when that happens is because we know the freedom that's on the other end of all of that for you. <laughs> that guy knows what I'm talking about. And so listen, you got to let somebody know. I'm not going to call you down to the front or embarrass you. There's public things like baptism and private things like this, but I need to know about it. You can fill out that same connection card that we uh, talked about earlier and check the box that says, I accepted Christ. I want to send you a note talking about next steps that God has for you in your walk with him. It's going to be amazing. He has amazing things for you, the least of which is to fill out that card. If you brought somebody with you and they got saved, get them, fill out that card because you know the help that they need on the other end of all of this. I don't want them waking up Monday morning being like, I prayed, what? And so let us help you in that way. One final time, loud church, let's give it up for those people. Hey, stand up on your feet. Did y'all get anything out of part three? Glad that you did. I got a lot out of part three. Uh, one announcement before we leave, and that is that next week, everybody say next week. We're having something called a newcomer's reception. If you're new to New Chapel in the last six months, you've never come to a newcomer's reception. You know, it can be intimidating when I'm talking about New Chapel Connect and coming to a class or something like that. This is food. I'm inviting you to food. And so after the 11 o'clock service next week, we are going to have a newcomer's reception. It's going to be in the grow room. That's the same room that New Chapel Connect is in. And we're going to have free desserts and uh, all kinds of fun stuff. I'm always amazed at how it's supposed to be hors d'oeuvres, and Sheila ends up making like a catered dinner. And so it's going to be phenomenal. I can't wait. It's just an opportunity for me to say, hey, you can ask me anything you want. Um, and I'd love to be able to share with you just a little bit about our story, but there is no agenda coming into it. It's just an opportunity to shake hands because some of y'all just beeline it out that door and uh, food helps. And so I'd love to be able to meet you. If you know anybody that's like that, invite them next week. Babe, why don't you come up here? Let's pray for the people. Well, I love you guys. We're excited about next week. It's going to be great. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, have a great week.